We all owe them, but very few of us know them. They are the men and women of our military and first responder communities. And these are their stories. American Warrior Radio is on the air. Welcome to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is Ben Bueller Garcia. We're broadcasting to you from the Silencer Central Studios. At Silencer Central, the experts make the buying process simple. They help you select the right suppressor for your firearm, handle the paperwork, and deliver it right to your front door once you're approved. Visit SilencerCentral.com to find out if buying and owning a silencer is legal in your state. Silence made simple. SilencerCentral.com. As most of you know, I never served in the military or carried a badge, which is why for pretty much my adult life I've considered it my duty to support those who do and who have. The core mission of American Warrior Radio is to educate others about the heroism and the sacrifice that these families make on our behalf by giving them a forum to share their stories personally. On occasion, we'll come across other civilians who are doing the same thing and share our mission and philosophies. Today, you're going to meet one of them. Bob Willis may not be a veteran, but his heart beats passionately for those who have served. He's president of LHV Precast in Kingston, New York, and for several years, is organized a God and Country Living History event. He's joining us today to tell us more about that. Bob, welcome to American Warrior Radio. I appreciate the opportunity to um, talk about the event. Well, let's start off with that, Bob. I, I certainly never felt that I was the only one out there doing what I do, but when I heard about your event that you've done for, I guess this will be your 10th event coming up, I was very impressed. That's going to be on November 4th in Kingston, New York. Folks, you can learn more. Visit GodAndCountryNY.com and spelled out. Bob, we're about four or five years apart in age, but what was the inspiration or what was your why for starting this conference? Well, there's probably a couple of reasons here. If you want to say how did it actually first get started, the Phantom Brothers was coming out in the late 90s, around 2000, and around 2004, I got a chance to watch the series, and it really affected me because it, you really got to feel like you were there. And one night, my one of my boys at the table at that time, they were my oldest boy was twelve and had uh, twelve, eight, and and seven at the time. And um, they said, "Well, gee, can we meet them?" And I said, "Well, they're famous now, so we probably have a chance for that." But then uh, my son said, "There's an article in the magazine about them going on a trip to Europe," and I said, "Well." We can't take that either, but <laughs> I said, uh, well, I'll do at least call and say thank you and give them our you know, gratitude. And the gentleman that answered the phone was the man that was in charge of, I guess, um, the whole trip and everything for them to go over. And he says, well, by the way, they're having a reunion uh, in Norfolk, Virginia, this coming weekend. Now, this is on, a, I think, a Tuesday or that I was calling. Of course, pieces, you know, a chance of getting in there and getting a hotel would be pretty slim to none because it's pretty much booked up. So I called the hotel uh, that night and uh, she said we're booked up. But while I was on the phone, she says we do have a cancellation. It just came up. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I took it, took my three boys, went down there and the whole group of them uh, just took the boys under their wings and treated them like they were their own grandchildren. So it was um, just very rewarding. I mean, I just couldn't believe that, you know. So uh, they had a great time, so we drove home, and I wanted to thank them. Long story short, I gave them a special gift to 35 living members, and uh, then they said, well, they wanted to come up and say thank you. So, <laughs> you know, I, I invited 10 of them here in Kingston. We had a great dinner. It was the greatest time I ever had, and uh, that kind of kick-started it. 
And um, by having that was our first dinner in 2005. And then we did it again in 2006. And then I had to catch up on my finances. So we never started another one until 2013, uh, which my wife at the time said, if she was going to help me with this uh, and, and support me, uh, we had to bring God into the picture. And I said, absolutely. And, of course, I did. And when, uh, that's when we started the new name, uh, God in Country Veterans Living History Event, uh, because it was just called World War II Conference the first two times. And that's where we kind of started. Now, we've only missed a couple of times, a couple of years. And since then, of course, COVID-20, we missed. This is actually our 10th event this year. So between that and my father being a corpsman in the Navy during Korean time and knowing that he was uh, ordered to go on the bus, he was at the Oakland Naval Station, the Naval Hospital, and his unit was uh, shipping out to go down to Camp Pendleton to hook up with the Marines and go into combat. While he was on the bus and getting ready to go, an officer pulled him off the bus, and uh, he didn't want to go. He said, they have orders to go with my men, and... They said, no, the officer said, you're coming with me, I am ranking. So he did, and he had high English skills and great typing skills. So not too many tailors have those kind of skills at that during that time. So uh, he felt bad because the, the corpsman that replaced him came back with a missing hand. But he was willing to go, no questions. He was ready to serve. He was ready to die for his country. And, you know, he would have served well. So I looked at that, and I said, to me, that was just a, it was just as if he went, and also I was very, pretty proud of that. And I know my father would do something like that. So, and I never did serve, and uh, him and and all the people in front of me, and the Vietnam veterans, the World War II vets, everybody else in front of me. I graduated high school in '76, and the, the um, uh, draft was over in '73. So I didn't have to go. I had a choice. So all those men and women that went before me fought to give me a choice. That's what I respect now, and that's why I do what I do. And all the, the countless numbers that went down and, and took the oath immediately after September 11th. Um, you know, there's a real connection that generation. I'm just a few years younger than you, Bob, but I remember when I turned 18, I did two things. I, I went down and registered to vote. And at that time, of course, we had to register for the draft, even though a draft wasn't in effect. And uh, shortly thereafter, um, you know, things started to heat up in the Middle East, and I thought, well, here we go. But I, I never served. And in retrospect, I tell you, I was very pleased to attend a conference of a number of the actors that played the members of the of the Band of Brothers. And to an actor, they just really emphasized the extent to which they went to make sure that they portrayed them accurately, that they portrayed them honorably. And, uh, you know, you don't see a lot of that in Hollywood, but clearly... These men had a, a great impact on these actors, so I can imagine it was even more powerful to meet them in person. Oh, they were just amazing men, and I became, my boys and myself became very close to several of them. In fact, uh, Colonel Ed James uh, was one of them, and um, my oldest boy, Michael, uh, also, and Brandon also gravitated to him. They really, and even my daughter, Haley, she uh, became a real sweetheart of his, and uh, we saw him right to the end. I've always um, made a point of going down to the American Veterans Center in Washington, and I usually tailor my event a week or after or a week before the event because we help each other out with the speakers and so forth. And and um, they, you know, you look at my event compared to their event, uh, they got like they get like 700 people for their dinner. 
So, oh. and they, you know, of course, they have the military channel. Everything's done on. Uh, you can watch it on Veterans Day, the whole dinner and everything, uh, the whole program. They get Hollywood stars that do you know announcements and things. So, so that's where I get some of my information that we share and and some of the um, insight on how to do things. And uh, so, unfortunately, this year they messed up. <laughs> They had a date down, and then the hotel told them, no, no, you're getting an extension on your contract, so look at your date. And that was two weeks later, which was my date. So this is the very first time that I am not able to go down to Washington, and the first time that we're not able to swap speakers because we help each other and, and research things. And um, so it's been a little bit of a challenge this year. Well, I tell you, I, I've seen the lineup you've got coming in, Bob, and it's it's pretty darn impressive that I'd don't fault yourself all about that. I mean, heck, if I could get across the country, I certainly would be there. Uh, Bob, one of the things that I'd like to talk about when we come back from the break is, you know, the word living, when you talk about living history. And that's part of our mission here is people don't understand that, you know, at the local, you know, VA or, or a DAV or American Legion or just some guy, on a, you know, seeing the grocery store wearing that World War II or that Korea hat, that is literally living history. And I want to talk about the uh, responsibility of people like you and I to make sure we get these stories down and, and communicated uh, lest they're lost forever. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Bob Willis. He is the organizer of just a great conference, the God and Country Living History event coming up November 4th up in New York. If you're uh, podcasting in that area, you definitely want to check it out. We'll be right back. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. Having a great time with someone I'd like to consider maybe kind of a, a definitely a friend here, a, a colleague. That's the word I'll use, Bob, a colleague. Bob organizes a special event. Uh, it's taking, the 10th event, a 10th annual event is taking place November 4th in Kingston, New York. It's called the God and Country Living History Event. And he's just got a great, great group of speakers coming in and talking and share their stories about their service to our country. You can learn more, visit God and Country and Why. Dot com and is spelled out. It's not an ampersand. Bob, years ago in a, in a previous life, I worked for the local chamber of commerce, and we would put on a, a, these annual Man and Woman of the Year awards. And through that, I had the chance to meet Linda Ronstadt's father, uh, Gilbert Ronstadt. And um, I got to know him. He's just a really, really nice guy. And every once in a while, he lived alone. And uh, every once in a while, I'd just pop in in the afternoon to say hi. And and uh, it was kind of funny, even if it was three in the afternoon, you know, we always had to start our conversation off with just a little cup of tequila. He said, you know, to kind of smooth the vocal cords before we talked. But uh, he would go on and tell me these amazing stories. And for folks that don't know that, the Ronstadt family was a, a territorial, historic family going back to the territorial days of Tucson. And, of course, Linda was the famous uh, granddaughter. But just these amazing stories. Well, when Gilbert passed away, I asked uh, his sons, uh, you know, did anybody ever record these stories? Did anybody videotape them or record them? And no one ever had. And so that was lost forever to yeah. history. And I just think of how much poorer next generations are when that happens. And that's why one of the reasons I'm hugely proud of what you're doing there, Bob. And again, we don't we don't have an affiliate in New York right now. Maybe you can help us fix that. But New York area is our number four 
uh, region for podcasting, American Warrior Radio. So, folks, if you're hearing this, you definitely might want to check that out there in Kingston, New York. Or, heck, if you're anywhere on the East Coast and you want to travel, that'd be a good idea. Bala, I was talking about how you just have got an amazing list of speakers coming to this event. Walk us through maybe just sort of the basics. How much does it cost? How long? You know, what will folks see if they, they show up? Well, first off, the cost is $35 for adults and $40 at the door. And it's $30 for veterans, 35 at the door for them, and $25 for students for 18 and under. That's for the daytime event. Our program is uh, two parts. And let me just get to the closing dinner part. That's $60 for the dinner each. Okay, that's no matter who you are, it's $60 for the dinner. And uh, if you buy a combination ticket, daytime and a dinner, it's $85 for adults, $80 for veterans, and $80 for students. The program we start with is we start at 8 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, November 4th. And we will finish by no later than 4 o'clock. And we do have an hour for lunch with a hot buffet, beautiful lunch that's included in the pricing. After that, that well, that's basically where the speakers get to tell their, their whole story of what they went through. And uh, we give each speaker a certain time to speak, and uh, I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. And then the dinner starts at cocktail hours, 6 to 6.30, and then we start the dinner at 6.30. And uh, we usually go to probably about 11. It's a powerful dinner. We give each speaker about five minutes to tell the highlight of the story because uh, not everybody uh, that comes to the dinner is able to go to the daytime event. So we do want to give them a little uh, snippet of what they missed. And then we also have uh, powerful entertainment. We have two singers, um, Michelle Jennings from out of New York City and uh, Matthew Fittitelli, uh out of New Jersey. They're both... Um, uh, classical singers and they perform professionally and um, they're going to sing amazing uh, powerful spiritual songs and patriotic songs for the evening I've even rented a grand piano uh, in fact uh, Michelle's husband who uh, she, he plays piano for their church so it's going to be really really great music um, they got a keynote speaker this year uh, uh uh, Mark Casapoli, he's the director of the Ulster County Veteran Services. Uh, we're honoring his whole group of 13 people. Um, they do amazing work. Uh, a lot of times people don't know what these guys do, and, and um, Mark and his group are just amazing help for all the our local veterans. So back to the daytime events. Um, do you want me to just kind of introduce well, I tell you, let, me, let me pull some out of there because I'm looking at this list, Bob, and I got to tell you, it's I'm I'm looking and I'm saying, wait a minute, I've just booked my next uh, twelve guests on American Warrior Radio just by stealing stealing names from you, uh, not literally, but you know, we we, we help each other. I'm I'm here to share. You know, we life is too short, and um, we need to share. I have a friend of mine, he's an author. He wrote the book, uh, Jake McNeese and the Filthy 13, and he wrote the war paint book that we also uh, created for him, and he, he finished it because, um, you know, the Filthy 13 were a famous unit. They were the ones that the, the movie The Dirty Dozen was made from. Um, but when uh, Richard wrote the book and we got to communicating on the next book, he said he just share everything. He says, I don't hide, I don't hold anything back. He says, I put it right out there, let everybody see it. You know, okay, he says, life's too short. 
Well, uh, well, let me ask you this: Where I, I know you said you got some help from the other conference, but generally, how do you how do you source your guests, and do you sort of pre-vet them, or what are the logistics involved in, in setting up uh, just a, such well, a great group? Well, the first thing is I'm always looking for you know, uh, my criteria is combat veteran. Uh, most most generally, I mean, this is the first time I'm having two people on that are not combat veterans, but their story is quite unique uh, and very important. Um, generally, I try to because my whole purpose is to our first off, let me back up a second. I, our, we got a three point mission statement. Number one is to glorify God. Number two is to honor all veterans, and number three is to teach the cost of freedom through living history event. And that point is that it's a two-day event. The first day on Friday, uh, November 3rd this year, we'll be going into a local school. So that's half of what we do. And it's just exciting to do that. We will, Our speakers will be in front of 400 students from 6th grade through 12th, and they'll tell their stories to these kids. And these kids just eat it up. They, they love it because they, they've never get anything like this, you know, before. And so that's, the, the veterans love it too. I mean, they just, I don't know who gets the most out of it. You know, they just really enjoy each other. Um, so then what I do after that is that um, I'll take them to a really nice restaurant for lunch. Um, and then we will go either this in the afternoon after lunch, we do either a roundtable discussion, which we have done for the last two events, or we go to the FDR Museum or the National Purple Heart Hall of Honor, which is on George Washington's encampment in New Windsor, New York. So one of those three factors we would choose. Chances are this year, you know, funding isn't as good as we hope it would be, so uh, we'll probably not be able to afford to do the roundtable discussion because that's another filming setup on Friday afternoon. So we'll probably go to most likely the Purple Heart Hall of Honor, which is amazing in itself. So I treat the men and women to a really beautiful day. Uh, they only have to speak a little bit in the morning, and then the rest of the day is just having fun. And then on Saturday, you know, they go to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. Bob, well, hold that thought when we come back. I want to talk more about that Saturday and also your outreach to the students because I know that is so important. Uh, I think I read a quote from you talking about how the textbooks are just so thin nowadays, and most kids have probably not even heard of Pearl Harbor, much less know the history behind that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, Ben Bueller Garcia. We're talking to Bob Lewis. We'll be right back. Welcome back to America Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. We are broadcasting from the Silencer Central Studios, where they make silence simple. Shooting with a silencer is safer and more enjoyable. Trust me. Visit silencercentral.com to learn if buying and owning a silencer is legal in your state. The experts are standing by to help you with the process. We're talking with Bob Willis, who is the organizer and kind of the, the brainchild and the heart behind the God and Country Living History event. That's coming up November 4th in Kingston, New York. You can learn more. Visit godandcountry.com. Bob, the I think this is it's been a regular part of what you do is taking these veterans out to the schools, and I just think that's such an essential part of what you do. We had a World War II Medal of Honor recipient, Woody Williams, on who uh, is, is now since passed away, but that was the whole purpose of his foundation was to get 
these messages and the history out into classrooms so young people don't forget about the sacrifice is kind of parallel to what you're doing there. And I think that's, has that always been part of your, your conference each year? Yes, it has. Uh, it's extremely important to educate these kids. Uh, oh, gosh, about four years ago, we were at one of the schools local here in Kingston, and two separate times within that time, that day, we were in the school. Two kids came up to me. One was a girl and one was a young boy, and they were so impressed with listening to the speakers. They never heard this stuff before that they were very interested in joining the, the uh, service. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was quite quite honorable to hear that. I would love to be a fly on the wall to see some of this interaction. Now, you got, uh, when you, you said when you first started off, it was a World War II specific event. And since you yes. that, you've expanded to include all the generations. Yes, and I tell you what, Korea is the hardest to get because, in fact, you can see on my list, I don't have a Korean veteran. Uh, even last year, I didn't have one. It's just very much harder to get a Korean veteran even today than it is a World War II veteran. Any insight as to why you think that is? Well, less men served. Mm, good point. In Korea. You know, you had 16 million people in World War II, and I think they said about, I don't know, two or three million were in combat. So there's still probably more World War II left than there is Korea. Now, some of those World War II guys were Korean. In fact, if my um, 82nd Airborne gentleman was able to make it, he was both wars, and he went through hell on both of them. But unfortunately, he... Um, uh, his back surgery hasn't given him the relief of pain that he was hoping to get from it, and so he's unable to travel here. But other than that, he's in perfect shape. His mind is clear as a bell. You know, I, coming back to what I said before, Bob, I know we had a show, gosh, it's probably been seven, eight years ago now, that uh, we had three Korean all-combat veterans on the show, two of which survived the, the Battle of the Chosen Reservoir. And I'll never forget, they, they're kind of all sitting there with their arms crossed across their chest, and and they said, you know, folks may call it the forgotten world, but we sure never forgot. Let's talk about some of the, the guests that you've got coming up. And by the way, American Warrior Radio listeners, one of the fellows that's going to be speaking at this conference, Joe Pepishara uh, out of California, who fought uh, five and a half months in the jungles during the Philippine campaign and then was part of the uh, group that uh, went on to Japan to occupy Japan after the war was over. Just a tremendous guy, tremendous story. You'll get a chance to hear Joe's story coming up next week on American Warrior Radio, so go ahead and mark your calendars. Bob, other than Joe Shar, who else you got on your list? I've, I've got it here in front of you. Please describe it to our listeners. Well, we're going to start off uh, first thing in the morning. I try to do chronologically in order as far as years, you know, and wars and so forth. It helps me stay on target here. We're actually going to start off with uh, a lady. Uh, her name is Irene Purple. She was part of the Dutch resistance during World War II in Amsterdam. And her living quarters and uh, what she had to go through was basically a, a parallel that Anne Frank had. She was in, right in the same area as her. She was born, I believe, in 1933 because she was, uh, no, 32. She was seven years old when, in 1939 when the Nazis came in. And um, they had held as many as 10 Jews in their home, in their apartment in Amsterdam. And, of course, uh, you know, neighbors turned people in, and eventually one day they turned them in. In 1942, the Gestapo came in and raided their home. At that time, they had three uh, Jewish people in their home, and they took them and her father, and they never saw him again. 
And um, also another story she told me at uh, one day, a, a truck, German truck pulled up in front of their window, and this is something that they constantly were in fear because vehicles always pulled up in front of them and stopped. Uh, they didn't know, you know, if they're coming after them or not, you know. But this truck this time uh, stopped and ordered out. They might have had at least 10 to 14 Jewish uh, people coming out of the uh, truck, and uh, they lined them up and shot them all with a machine gun. Their mother witnessed everything, and that's what they were living under. So she'll be here. She's a very bright lady, very intelligent lady, and very articulate lady. So she'll be telling her story very accurately and very pointed. She's very funny and very uh, caring person, so it's going to be exciting to listen to her story. And we also have Joel uh, Pepe Sierra. As you mentioned, he was in the uh, 25th Army, 25th Infantry, uh, 27th Regiment, Heavy Weapons Company. Uh, he fought in the Battle of Luzon. He was um, five and a half months nonstop combat, and he entered in as a buck private, and in a very short time, he became a platoon sergeant. Combat all around him, all the time. Uh, he even mentioned to me that at four different times, he had four of his men in his platoon next to him, all shot and killed right next to him, four different times, and not one scratch on him. So he came through without any wounds or anything like that. But he did come home with uh, malaria, and it took him years to get over that, uh, and tremendous PTSD. And, you know, he's dealt with all that, and he had a beautiful wife, and they had a long marriage. And, unfortunately, several years ago, she passed away with cancer. So he's got a, a tough story in the military and a tough story at home. So we're looking forward to meeting him. He's, I've talked to him on the phone several times. He's just uh, really a upbeat guy. So we're going to really enjoy him. Then the next one we have is uh, we just picked back up here. He was here at our event a couple of years ago, Matt Gutman. He was uh, he was a coxswain on the Higgins boat, and he made six landings in the Pacific. He landed at Peleliu, Lady Gulf, Mindoro, Subic Bay, Cluzon, and Okinawa. Can't wait to talk to him because then have him meet uh, um, Joe Pepe Sierra because mm. Pepe was in the Battle of Luzon, and and Matt was bringing Marines in to the Battle of Luzon. So that's going to be interesting to. Them. And, and I tell you what, those those boats were were bullet magnets. Yep, and he he lived through a lot of stuff. It's a miracle that he's here with us. Uh, so it's going to be an awesome story to hear him. And then uh, we go right into um, Vietnam. Uh, as I mentioned before, we couldn't find somebody with, from Korea, so we skipped right into Vietnam. And we've got a, an awesome story with Bill Schiebler. He's from Minnesota. Um, he was in Vietnam from 65 to 66. Um, he fought in the Battle of Ai Drang under Hal Moore, and uh, he was in the uh, uh, 1st Air Cavalry, uh, and also he was an Army Ranger, and he had five and a half months of nonstop combat, too, and uh, he was uh, part of an 86-man uh, rifle company, and um, there was only uh, four of them came home. Out of 186, so it was, it was tough going for them, and uh, he got wounded. He was wounded ten times through that period of time. And in fact, uh, one of the situations where they were out at the Ho Chi Minh Trail, and uh, all of a sudden the Viet Cong was coming down with major forces, and they couldn't complete their mission because it'd be just total suicide. So they were hiding in the bushes and 
uh, enemy was like right next to them. I mean, like brushing against their bushes and next to them. And they finally, they called to return to their uh, post. And of course, that's a, that's a no-no. You never do that. But he had no choice. And he trade, you know, communication that they're coming in. And everybody heard it, understood it, and got the orders, except for one person. Oh, boy. Bob, hold that thought. We've got to take another break to pay for the show. We come back, I want to talk a little bit more about some of your guests and then back to your why and, and the positive impacts of this conference. And in particular, I want to chat about uh, two fellows that you've got coming in, uh, all both associated with the name Aziz, and that is just one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Ben Garcia. We'll be right back. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ben Bieber Garcia. We're talking with Bob Willis. Bob, for the 10 years now, has run just an amazing uh, living history, literally living history conference up in uh, Kingston, New York. You can learn more. Visit GodAndCountryNY.com. And is spelled out, not with an ampersand, GodAndCountryNY.com. Bob, we're talking about just some of the great guests that you have. And We've been trying to get uh, Chad uh, Robichaud on the show for a while now. We haven't been very successful, but his story about what he did for his his interpreter, Aziz, is just one of the most amazing stories I think I've heard in all of military history of his own accord with help from several other soldiers and, and veterans after the fall of Afghanistan. They went in there and were and they literally, I don't know how many people they got out, maybe 17,000, 18,000 people. They got out of that country without any government help. And it's just, it baffles me. It, it's, what a great story. You've got uh, his, I guess Hunter is his son then, right? You've got to read the book, Saving Aziz. Mm-hmm. All right, Chad wrote the book. You have to read it. It's a must read, uh, especially if you're able to come to the event. You'll be well prepared for what you're going to hear. Hunter also fought in Afghanistan. All right, he was a Marine also. And um, his father had eight deployments. His father was a recon uh, Marine. And uh, all eight deployments, Aziz was his interpreter for all eight of them. So, of course, Chad became very close to Aziz. Um, Aziz saved his life several times. Um, Chad got to know him like a brother. He got to know his wife and his children, a very close uh, family knit. Um, felt father and uh, so when all this started going down uh, Chad knew right off the bat back in June uh, I think it was last year now wasn't it a year ago now it's been just over a year yeah, yeah. and uh, so he kind of knew the writing on the wall was going to happen to all the interpreters and the people that helped and of course in his personal world it was Aziz and he knew he had to save him and his family you know so uh, they got together and um, and they uh, a lot of Marines and Army and Navy and all the veterans got together and Chad was one of the uh, instruments in getting things like this started like the you know the Pineapple Express and I don't know other units that pulled together and and Chad even had some famous Marines uh, working under him uh, 
right on site. Uh, Chad and his son went to Dubai, and they had to organize. Uh, somebody had to organize a, a home front, you know, a base. So that was Chad and Hunter did all that. And it was amazing what they were able to pull off because they had to get planes, uh, countries to accept the planes that they were bringing in and loaded. And a lot of these planes were filled with just children because the parents uh, threw their kids into the arms of the, the Americans wherever they could, and they gave up their life for their children. And it's it's a really heart-wrenching story to hear uh, all these these kids that just came off the plane with no parent. Uh, and Hunter dealt with a lot of that himself personally, along with Chad. So you're going to hear things that... Um, you you will never hear on the news. I don't care whether it's mainstream or our independent news. You, you're going to hear things. Real truth is what you're going to hear. I'll tell you one of the little stories that's in the book. There was, you know, how our soldiers were not allowed to leave the compounds at Baran Airport or they'd be court-martialed. So these people outside the compound, which were most of them American citizens, the Taliban was given information. They had all these people's phone numbers and contacts. And this one girl was hiding under a set of stairs in the building, which was near the airport, and screaming and calling. She got all the chat, and she's crying. She said the Taliban actually called her and told her they're coming to rape her and kill her. And they were. And Chad says, my men are on the other side of the airport. It's a mile away. I can't help her. Right now, and of course, it broke his heart. And uh, but he was able to find there was a couple. Uh, I don't can't remember if there were soldiers or Marines inside the compound, and they dropped everything and they said the heck with it. They got out of the compound mm. and they ran. They knew where this building was. They knew where the stairs were. And by the time they got to the building, they saw the two terrorists grabbing her and dead dragging her away. And of course, our two Marines um, they were pretty impressive. So when they got up to the Two terrorists, terrorists took a look at him and ran, mm-hmm. and they saved the girl. It's just one story. I, I tell you, one thing I saw in a, an interview that you had, Bob, you talk about how really, because that is such powerful stuff, and and uh, probably easier to do in a conference than it is on on family radio. But I'd heard you mention that you your specific goal is to bring out that emotion. You you want to yes. kind of we have to kind of shock people. And I know that's part of Pepe's story, too, is he just feels very strongly that people need to hear this and never forget these sacrifices. So are you finding now that the, the older generations, the World War II Korea, are now starting to open up more as they're fading out and, and having a willingness to tell their stories? Yes. In fact, I can tell you two things. And it hurts me to not put the uh, roundtable discussion together because uh, the last two roundtables we did – last year and it's at the hotel and it's private and it's filmed but uh, we had our speakers and we had um, three four World War II veterans one was your local hero Jack Holder Pearl Harbor survivor flew PBYs discovered the Japanese at the Battle of Midway sunk a, a Japanese sub with a, with a PBY and then goes over to English Channel and sinks a German sub with a B-24. So just a little bit of work on his end. But anyways, we had Marvin Gilmore. Now, he was one of the 1,600 black soldiers that landed on D-Day. And D-Day won in Normandy. And he was an artillery group. 
just beyond his story, which is amazing. He's got an awesome book out. He, right out of the blue, just blurted out, and he broke down, and he said, my brother was killed on Iwo Jima. And he said, my mother couldn't take it. And she cried and cried, and then her heart was broken for the rest of her life, basically. And what happened was, my I can kind of read between the lines, that the family just buried it. And I can tell you, a test to that is that the driver that brought him knows him very well, has been around him for a long time. And he came to told to me, he looked at me, and he said, Bob, he's never, ever said that, ever. Yeah. And he even said so. Marvin even said when he spoke, he said, I've never told anybody this. Yeah, I, I found I was at a uh, group where that you had we had four POWs from World War II on up through Desert Storm. And when you saw them talking next to comrades that had been through the same thing, even though it was in different wars, uh, where you had four different wars represented, you could see them breaking down because it was, it was cathartic for them to share that with people that they knew would get it, would understand what they were saying. And, I, I mean, of all the four, I think the the Vietnam veteran probably had the, the worst time of it, but, you know, nonetheless. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping that one of the first things you'll do, Bob, is you'll introduce Hunter Robichaud to Irene Prabal because it just struck me. They were both involved in sort of their own underground railroad, so they've got a lot of lot of commonalities there. Oh, absolutely. Bob, we're running out of time. Just real quick, I want to uh, just tell folks that uh, this is a 501c3 organization, and the proceeds will benefit the Hudson Valley National Center for Veteran Reintegration, which helps vets transition from military to civilian life. Folks, of course, I want you to register if you can get up there to go see the conference. Real quick, Joe. Well, also, I'm uh, that, uh, you know, this is a, a, a coup. Aziz himself is coming. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's superb. Uh, Bob, you mentioned film. Is there some place where we can see this and, and spread it to a broader audience? Is it on YouTube or is it your, at your website or where can we find these recordings? What we can do is uh, I'm actually going to forward the uh, links to, um, in fact, I can give them to you too. Uh, and also on our website, I'll, get, I'll forward it. The links to last year's filming. We also will put up, everything goes up on YouTube. Okay. So you can, you know, as long as you have the links, you can be able to. Yeah, pull it out. Okay. Well, Bob Willis, God bless you for what you're doing, and I we certainly stand in support. Again, folks, you can visit GodAndCountryNY.com to find out more about Bob and his group and what they're doing. In fact, if you'd like to support them, as I mentioned, they are a 501c3. You can just, if you can't attend the conference, you can stroke them a check and, and help them continue to do what they do. And also, by the way, a shout-out if you enjoy this sort of thing. We also had another guest on the show that runs a program called Hometown Heroes Radio. Dot com And he interviews exclusively World War II and Korean era veterans. So that's something else you might want to check out. Bob, thanks again for all the time you spent with our listeners today. And just uh, keep on going, brother. Well, thank you, Ben. I appreciate the opportunity. Our pleasure. Much. Ladies and gentlemen, you can hear this podcast and over 500 others at AmericanWarriorRadio.com or your favorite streaming platform, whatever that might be. Uh, we're on iHeart. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora. Basically, wherever you find good quality program. You can find American Warrior Radio, and please share these important stories with your friends and colleagues. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, all policies and procedures are to remain in place. Take care. You've been listening to American Warrior Radio. Archived episodes may be found at AmericanWarriorRadio.com or your favorite podcast platform. 